Well, thank you very much, Andrew, for the invitation to be here and to be able to preach to you guys this morning and to be able to speak on the topic of prayer. Uh, It really is a great joy for me to be able to do that. And if we're going to speak about prayer from God's Word, then I think we're going to pray to God and ask for His help as we come to this uh, section of Scripture. So let's do that now. Dear Lord God, we thank you that you are a God who has not left us in the dark, that you've revealed yourself to us, Lord. And we pray that as we come to think more about you, about your nature, about your character, about who you are, about the God we pray to, uh, Lord, we pray that you would open our ears and our eyes and our hearts so that we would get to know you better, Uh, Lord. And in doing that, we would be changed. And we ask it for your name and for your glory. Amen. Well, as I said, it is uh, indeed a great joy to be able to be with you and be a part of this series that you're looking at on Bible reading and prayer. I'm pretty sure Andrew hasn't asked me to preach to you this morning because he thinks I'm some particular expert on prayer. Uh, If he has, then I think he's going to be a little bit disappointed. No, no, I'm a pilgrim on the journey just as much as you are. And I'm hoping that today, as we look at the scriptures together and as we think about prayer together, that all of us will come out the end as as better prayers. Um, On the one hand, if you think about prayer, it can be so so natural, so obvious. Um, Particularly when times are, are tough, I think there's kind of something in our nature that just makes us want to cry out to somebody else, someone higher who can help us. Uh, As they say, there's no atheists in the trenches. Uh, You might remember that famous final scene of the Titanic as, as the boat's going down. The deck is crowded with people surrounding a priest as they're all praying for their lives. Politicians, non-Christian politicians, you know, will say it all the time, won't they? Our prayers go out to the people of, our, our prayers go out to the family of. On one hand, prayer is everywhere and it seems so natural. And yet on the other hand, anyone who's sat down and tried to pray for an hour or half an hour or perhaps even five minutes <laughs> will know that sometimes there's something a little bit unnatural about prayer as well. Sometimes it can seem like, well, we're just talking to ourselves. Sometimes it can feel like we're not talking to anyone, or if we are, they're not listening. If they're listening, they're not responding. Sometimes it can just get a little bit frustrating. What seems so common and natural on the one hand can seem so unnatural on the other when put into everyday practice of everyday people like you and me. No matter what angle you look at it from, I take it that for many of us, perhaps for all of us at different times, prayer can be a bit of a struggle. Uh, The great preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones once observed this. He said, of all the activities in which the Christian engages and which are part of the Christian life, there is surely none which causes so much perplexity and raises so many problems as the activity of prayer. I don't know if that's your experience. The Bible seems to make it clear that prayer is such a vital part of the Christian living, such a privileged action to take part in, and yet something that many of us can find so difficult. Someone once pointed out to me, almost by definition, that prayer has got to be the most difficult part of the Christian life. Because if you're struggling with anything else in your Christian life, then you're praying about it, aren't you? (laughs) But if you're struggling with prayer, then, well, then you're not even praying. 
what chance have you got? So my prayer for today, in particular, is that we all might just be better prayers. I want that for myself. I want that for you. And so we come to look at the idea of prayer. And, and whilst it's helpful to think about what we are like as, as praying Christians and some of the struggles and difficulties and some of the successes when it comes to prayer from our end, I don't actually think that's quite the right place for us to start thinking about prayer. If our focus is always introspective, then it's no wonder that so many of us lose hope so quickly when it comes to prayer. No, I don't think our starting point should be ourselves, but rather it should be on the God who we pray to. Because who we believe God to be will shape the praise we the prayers we pray and the way we pray them. The way you see God shapes the way you pray. And so the more we understand God, the, the better equipped we are, I think, to pray to him. And that's why we had Exodus chapter 3 read out to us so uh, wonderfully as well. It might seem a strange place to turn to when we're thinking about the topic of prayer. I mean, there's no prayers recorded for us here in this passage. There's no talk of prayer even. But here in this interaction between God and Moses in the burning bush, we learn a lot about the God that we pray to. And if you've got your Bibles open there, hopefully uh, you could have them and you'd be able to look at Exodus chapter 3 with me because I think there's a lot that we can learn from these verses that were just read out to us. Who is the God that we pray to? Well, I'm sure many of you are familiar with the story behind these verses. Uh, many years earlier, in fact, hundreds of years earlier, God's made some promises to Abraham. He promised that his descendants, Abraham's descendants, would be a great nation. He promised that all the way back in Genesis chapter 12. But here at the start of Exodus, all of Abraham's descendants aren't a great nation. They're slaves in Egypt. And not only that, Pharaoh is treating them really harshly. Life was not fun at all for the Israelites. And it's into that situation that we get this conversation between God and Moses. So let's have a look in this conversation about some of the incredible things that we can learn about the God that we pray to. Firstly, as I've already alluded to, I want you to realize that God is a God of promise. God is a God who is good to his promises. Um, I think you see that in verse 6. It's the way God introduces himself to Moses as the God of his fathers, the God of Abraham, the, the very same God who made those promises to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. God is reminding Moses of those promises by introducing himself in this way. And God is a God of promise. The God we pray to is a God who has made promises to his people and who has acted throughout history to bring about the fulfillment of those promises. God is a faithful and a trustworthy God. Now, that actually shapes something about our prayers right off the bat, doesn't it? Because the God we pray to is good to his promises. So we can be assured that if we know his promises, 
And if we pray in accordance with his promises, then those are the kind of prayers that we can be certain that God will answer. For instance, God promises that those who turn to him and trust in Jesus and repent, that they will have their sins forgiven. That's a promise from God. So you can be certain, because of who God is, that if you have genuinely repented of your sins, trusted in Jesus, turned to God and asked for his forgiveness, then that's a prayer that is certainly answered, without a doubt. Because the God we pray to is a God of promise. That's the first thing I think that this passage reminds us of. But secondly, and perhaps even more foundational than that, perhaps something that strikes at the very heart of our fears and our concerns about prayer is this. The God we pray to is a God who sees and who hears. Have a look at verse 7 with me. Uh, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And then back down to verse 9. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. You see, the God we pray to is not blind or deaf. No, on the contrary, the God we pray to hears. He hears the cries of his people. He sees their situations. He knows us. He knows you. He hears your cries. He sees your tears. God knows. Jesus put it this way. He said, you know what? God knows about the, the birds that fly around in the field. He knows, about the, he knows about the flowers that are there as well. And if God knows about them, if God notices them, if God cares about them, how much more? You. How much more does he know about you? And so Jesus concludes, you know what? We're not going to worry so much because we know that the God we pray to is a God who sees and who hears I've heard the cries of my people, he tells Moses. Now, I suspect that there are probably many reasons why we all might struggle with prayer. But if I was to kind of put together the top 10 reasons, do a bit of a survey, then the thought that God doesn't hear and that God doesn't see, I'm thinking that's probably going to be right up near the top. But we've got to listen to these verses, don't we? I mean, it seems like perhaps the problem is not that God doesn't listen, it's perhaps that we don't listen to God. Because here we've got to listen to what God says to Moses. I have heard them crying. Their cries have reached my ears. I've seen the misery. I've seen the way they're being oppressed. God knows. God sees. God hears. And you know what's even better than that? God cares. Have a look at verse 7 again. I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. Verse 10. So now, go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people Israel back. God cares. 
He's concerned about their suffering. The, the whole story of the Bible, really, from first page to last, is, is the whole history of God's interaction with this world that testifies to the fact that God cares. He's concerned about his people. He's concerned about his creation. He's concerned about their suffering. God doesn't just make the world and then watch it all go bad and then sort of go, oh, let's just kind of throw that to the side. Let's just leave that alone. That was a good start, but it turned out pretty bad. Let's just try again. No, no, not at all. God cares. He cares for his creation. He's concerned about our suffering. Like a mother who cares for her children. Like a shepherd who goes after the lost sheep. Like a chicken who who brings the little chicks under, his, under her wings. God, God cares. And not only does he care, but he acts. The God we pray to is a God who hears and who sees, who cares, and a God who acts powerfully to save. Now, we see that, verse 8. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up out of the land and into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And verse 10 again, I'm sending you, Moses, to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God acts. I've seen, I've heard, I'm concerned, and now I'm coming to do something about it. I'm coming to rescue you, to save you, to take you from slavery into freedom, to take you from, from being nothing to being my people. God acts. He acts to bring about the salvation of his people. He did it here in the Exodus from Egypt, and he did it for us in the death of his son, Jesus Christ. He cares and he acts. For God so loved the world that he sent his son to die for it. God cares enough to bring about the salvation of his people. And if that isn't enough, then I reckon there are at least two other things that we can learn about the God we pray to from this passage also. The God we pray to is a holy God. Did you notice that as the Bible reading was done for us? When Moses approaches the bush, he's told he's got to take his sandals off because he's on, he's on holy ground. And, and Moses kind of has to hide his face. He's scared because, because he might see God's face and he knows God's holy. And if he's in God's presence, then that's not going to go well for him. You see, we pray to a holy God. Holy meaning perfect and righteous and altogether morally upright. But holy meaning more than just that as well. Holy meaning separate, set apart, different, other than. The God we pray to is a God who is so different from us, in one sense actually so unapproachable by us. Even when God approaches Moses here, Moses is warned and he hides. Because actually, you know what? The God we pray to is in one sense unapproachable. And yet, we're given the privilege to approach him in prayer. How is it that we can approach the unapproachable God? 
Well, we can do that only through Jesus and his death on our behalf. We can do it only because of what Jesus has done for us. The writer of the letter to the Hebrews in the New Testament encourages his readers that it's because we have such a great high priest in Jesus that we can actually approach the throne of God, or that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. The God we pray to is actually the unapproachable God. And yet, the God whom we may approach through Jesus. And I reckon that's something really worthwhile remembering and, and pondering on. The, the access that we have to God in prayer is sometimes, I think in my, our minds at least, kind of removes God's otherness, His separateness, His holiness. God becomes your kind of best friend that you can chat to or your comforter or your help in times of need. And, and, and He may well be all those things, but He's far more than just that. He's not like us. He's holy. He's unapproachable. You see, we mustn't ever bring God down to our level. We must rather elevate what Jesus has achieved for us. Because the God we pray to hasn't changed from Moses' day here in Exodus until now. But Jesus' work in dying on the cross on our behalf has such radical and huge implications. And one of which is this, that we may now approach the unapproachable God in confidence as we draw near to him in prayer. Well, the last thing I think that we should see from this passage about the God we pray to is that he is a God who communicates with us. I mean, it's here in the passage, isn't it? God is talking to Moses. But this isn't just a record of one day when God revealed himself to someone thousands of years ago. No, this is God revealing himself to us still today through his word. I mean, we can learn all these things that we've been looking at this morning, that God sees, he hears, he cares, he acts, that he's holy. We can learn all these things because God has chosen to reveal them to us. When we think about prayer, when we think about speaking to God, I think it's important for us to realize that he has first spoken to us. It's personal. That's what's going on with the whole name thing in this passage here, verse 13 and 14. Moses asked God's his name. Right? We, it's the first thing we do whenever we meet anybody, isn't it? Hi, I'm Steve. What's your name? We don't shake hands. Hi, I'm Steve. What's your name? Right? This is what we do whenever we meet people these days, all the time. Right? There's something personal going on. And God reveals his name. And his name in itself tells us something, doesn't it? I am who I am. I am is the one speaking to you. His name tells us a lot about God, that he's eternal, unchanging, always has been, always will be. But aside from that, just for a moment, focus on the fact that God tells Moses, God tells us his name. There's an intimacy initiated by God here. The God we speak to in prayer is a God who has first spoken to us opened himself up to us, revealed himself to us. The God we pray to 
is concerned for intimate communication and relationship with his people. Now, all that, all that makes a difference, doesn't it? <laughs> because the more we know about God, the more it will shape our prayer life. I mean, if you think that God doesn't hear you, for instance, then you can be certain that you're not really going to bother all that much with prayer, are you? Or if you think that God doesn't care, then you're going to pray differently, aren't you? Or if you don't know his promises or you don't know that he's holy, it all makes a difference to the way we pray. And if we want to have a deep and satisfying prayer life, an intimate prayer life, then the first thing we need to do, I think, is to get to know God better, the God that we're praying to. Because the better we know him, the better our prayer life will be. Most of the people that we relate to on a day-to-day existence, I think we kind of relate to because they provide us with something. Whether that's the the person at the supermarket or the IT person at at, at work or the the secretary maybe or the teacher of your kids at school or something like that. We relate to them on a level of provision. But the best relationships we have, the most intimate relationships we have, we, we have with our friends and with our family. They're they're the kind of relationships that we have with people who we spend time with, not because we're hoping to get something from them, but just simply because of the pleasure of their company. And I think perhaps far too often the problem with our relationship with God and, and our prayer is that it often falls into the provider category rather than the intimate relationship category. Prayer can become just an activity where we, where we talk to God with a list of things that we're hoping to kind of get out of Him rather than just simply for the pleasure of His company. But the sooner we learn to move from the provider mentality to that intimate relationship mentality, the sooner our prayer lives will improve. How well do you know the God that you're praying to? That's the question of today. Because if we're praying to a stranger, if we're praying to a God that we don't really know all that well, then you can bet that your prayer life is going to be pretty dead. I think we'll all probably struggle with prayer at different times in our lives. But perhaps at those times, rather than focusing on ourselves as useless prayers, we'd do better to focus on the God we're praying to and remind ourselves that he is a God who hears and who sees and who cares, a God who acts to save his people, a holy God, a God who has already initiated an intimate relationship with us. The more you get to know and focus and remind yourself of that God, then I'm pretty sure the better your prayer life will be. Let me pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you that you have indeed revealed yourself to us through your word. Lord, help us, remind us of who you are and let that shape the way we pray. We ask it in your name. Amen.